With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yo, Eagles Nation, stand up. Yo, how'd Barkley put it? <laughs> Looking like another grease pole night in Philly. 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 Facts. Happy Monday, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode eight of the Grease Pole Podcast. Appreciate you taking part. As always, you can subscribe. Uh, highly suggest you do. Greatly appreciate it if you have to the Grease Paul Podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcast and Spotify. Subscribe, rate, and review if you've done so already. Thank you very much. If you haven't yet, I would appreciate you doing so. So, uh, happy Monday to everybody. Everyone's least favorite day of the week, but we pretty much have it out of the way at this point. So, Mazel Tov to all of us who survived. Um, this past week has been – it is funny because I had – I don't know if anybody else does this, but I kind of I, – I, I plan episodes in advance, at least a couple. Um, already have something lined up for next week. And, again, this is all obviously – it's kind of like when you get like a wrestling pay-per-view or a, a UFC card, you know what I mean? Card subject to change at the bottom with the asterisk. Obviously, if something breaks or, you know, when the season comes about, obviously that'll change. Uh, had a topic – lined up for this week and then uh and then last week happened (laughs) so uh and 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 some light bulbs went off in your boy's head that made me go you know what we can we can save whether or not McNabb's a hall of famer for you know for a rainy day that'll that debate ain't going anywhere but uh given the present climate here in the United States and the the peaceful protests uh, going on for Black Lives Matter. You have to, as a white guy, I think the best, other than just not be a racist piece of shit, which should go without saying, but unfortunately doesn't, the best thing we can do is listen, educate ourselves, and just just. Put the time in, man. Put the legwork in. Do your homework in terms of and educate yourself as to why people are reacting the way they are. Because obviously, it, look, man, white people don't like none of us have lived a day as a black person. So we can't understand firsthand what it's like to be pulled over by the cops and be worried when you reach in your glove box for your vehicle registration, being afraid for your life. That's not white people don't have that experience you know what i mean 
So that's why it's important for us to listen, educate ourselves, and just see what we can do to make a difference. And I'm not necessarily here to be soapbox guy, but this is an Eagles podcast. So as I was you know, doing my homework this weekend and, and just paying attention to everything that's going on in the world. Uh, it made me kind of reflect on just the last couple years of being an Eagles fan. And we're going to go back to prior to the Doug Peterson hire here. Um, and the catalyst of this was when Drew Brees came out and made his dumbass comments. You know, which if you're listening to this, I'm sure we get into. If for whatever reason you don't know what it is, we will touch on it here again in a few minutes. Malcolm Jenkins, former Eagle, came out, blasted him, told him to shut the fuck up. Again, put that on the back burner for a few minutes. But that instance is what made the light bulb go off in my head to kind of, you know, discuss what we were going to discuss today. So I'm sure everybody, if you're an Eagles fan, you've got to remember the Riley Cooper incident. Right? You know, he here's a guy, an Eagles receiver, drafted, I believe, the fifth round in 20, 2010, if I'm not mistaken. Fifth or sixth round. I'm almost positive it's fifth. Who, you know, white receiver had, you know, just he was just a dude. Wasn't anything really special. You know, third, fourth receiver on the roster. And he was caught on tape using a racial slur at a Kenny Chesney concert in July of 2013, right? And they caught him on video, TMZ aired at the whole nine. You know, if you're unfamiliar with the quote, he basically said, I will fight every bleep here. And it was caught on video. You know, he came out and did the did the about face that, you know, that you do when you're caught being a racist prick. And uh, somehow remained on the team. Now, this was when Chip Kelly was a head coach. Okay? His first, this was actually his first uh, season with the Eagles as head coach. Before he'd even coached a game, this happened. So, welcome to the NFL, dipshit Chip. Here's a racist scandal. Handle it. You know, white dude who's used to being in Oregon. And uh, he was fined an undisclosed amount by the team, resumed team activities. And this was his last year of his rookie contract. So he actually went on that year, ironically, uh, to have his best season in his career that year. So he tallied 47 receptions for 835 yards and eight touchdowns. You know, solid year. Definitely uh, not trying to be disrespectful here, but those were nice numbers for Riley Cooper standards. You know what I mean? Definitely, definitely nice numbers for his standards. So, off of that, he got a five-year, $25 million extension. Only $8 million guaranteed. But still, this is, keep in mind, this is all after a racial slur. Not only did they keep him on the team after the video aired, but they gave him, they gave him $8 million as well. So... Now, look, obviously, he didn't go on to play the entire five-year length of that contract. He was out of there pretty quickly. But, again, $8 million after being caught on camera saying a racial slur. And I don't want to say that being caught on camera 
is not the worst part of it, okay? Because I, I believe very much that even what you do when people aren't looking, you know, that's your character. You know what I mean? If, if, if he's sitting here, you know, letting them fly, you know, in a poker night with his buddies, still unacceptable. But the point is you've got caught, so you've been exposed. And that word doesn't come out of your mouth unless you are of a certain mindset. You know what I mean? I did. It just it is what it is, you know. So, again, that incident happens. Eight million dollars. Here you go, Riley Cooper. And. uh, After that. Chip Kelly, white guy, throws a essentially what amounts to a temper tantrum to gain personnel control. He didn't. He didn't want Howie Roseman having that uh, that role anymore. He wanted to shop for the groceries as well. So, <clears throat> effectively, what Chip Kelly does is threatens to quit if he does not get personnel control. Jeffrey Lurie acquiesced, great word, and gave Chip Kelly personnel control. From there, he. He made a lot of insane moves, okay? But the one that, that, that stuck out to me, you know, he cut Deshaun Jackson. Uh, polarizing move. And then he trades Shady McCoy, all-time leading rusher in the history of the franchise, to the Buffalo Bills for Kiko Alonso. Now, if you, it's hard to go back to that trade in, in it, with the benefit of hindsight because we know how it's played out. But at the time, knowing kind of where the, the running back position was headed, and I, it, I'll be honest, to me the trade was not that egregious. I thought it was kind of stupid, but I wasn't – it wasn't pitchforks for me, Okay. I could kind of, again, while I lean toward it's an idiotic move, I could understand somewhat a percentage of the logic of it. Aside, I mean, of course, Kiko Alonso, where did he go to college? Oregon. Shocker. So Chip Kelly trades a beloved running back in the annals of this team's franchise history. Again, all-time leading rusher in the history of the Philadelphia Eagles. This team's been around since 1933. It's a long-ass time all-time leading rusher in the history of the franchise, black guy, trades him to the Buffalo Bills for a white linebacker who went to, who Chip Kelly coached in college at the University of Oregon. Now, Kiko Alonso had a stellar rookie year. He was defensive rookie of the year in 2013, and this was after Kiko Alonso's first year that this trade happened. So, There was no way of knowing that when this trade happened, he was going to turn around and blow his ACL in week one of the regular season against Atlanta on Monday night. There was just no way of knowing that that would happen. But, again, look at the optics of it. And I remember this was kind of back. Your boy used to be real heavy in uh, Facebook Eagles groups, okay? This was – back when I spent way too many, way more hours than I'm proud to admit in the po- on the poison well that is Facebook. And I used to stay up till fucking 2, 3 in the morning and argue with people, Mike Vick versus Nick Foles. And let the record show I was on the right side of that argument. 
But I remember being in these in these message boards, these groups, and I remember, and this is where, like, going back to the open of this this show here, this episode, saying that the role is to educate yourself and to learn why black people feel the way they do right now. Because I remembered seeing a post at the time, and, you know, it's kind of lengthy in nature, and I don't remember exactly verbatim what a lengthy Facebook post said from six years ago. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I do. But one thing I do remember, the bullet point, the general gist of it was Chip Kelly is a racist because, you know, again, LaShawn McCoy, all-time leading rusher in the history of the franchise, black guy, gone for white linebacker that Chip Kelly coached at the University of Oregon. And at the time, I'm like, ah, come on, man. Chip's a lot of things. Not on board with that temper tantrum he, threw, he put on. I don't necessarily think he's a racist, though. And it made me go back and say, when I remembered this thought, in this transaction from six years ago. Again, man, as a white guy, who am I to... Like, I can absolutely see where this guy thought that that move, where he would say that. You know? You take LaShawn McCoy, who's a beloved member of this organization, still productive as hell. You know, it's not like he didn't show signs of slowing down at that point. So you don't know what that, and again, you don't know that Kiko Alonso is eventually going to tear his ACL either. But on the surface, I could see now what he was getting at. Why would you trade away LaShawn McCoy? He has proven. He's established himself literally in the record books for this franchise. And you're trading him away for a linebacker who, okay, got the NFL Rookie of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year honor, but there's no... That's one year. There is no proven track record there, sustained success like LaShawn McCoy had at that point. So it it's easy to see where it comes across as less than ideal. And I get that now. I get that now. And from going, from watching this team go from those days, the Chip Kelly years, and the shape he left this franchise in, in one season of having personnel control and watching it just become a shit bomb to what the franchise has become now. Obviously, Super Bowl accolades in, included, you're proud, but you can take an amount of pride in this team given today's climate and what's going on. Given the Black Lives Matter movement. You can be proud to be an Eagles fan because after all of this, after Chip Kelly comes in and just drops a nuke in the middle of the locker room, <clears throat> Jeff Lurie goes out and he hires Doug Peterson as head coach. We all know the deal, right? Brings, brings Doug Peterson back to Philly and within two years gets this team that elusive Lombardi trophy. And I remember going back and – the one of the coolest things about that Super Bowl run was those locker room videos that would emerge after games. You could see like this wasn't just 
this wasn't just a team, man, a football team. Think of the guys that were on that roster. Malcolm Jenkins, Chris Long. I mean, these are guys that have been pillars in NFL communities. NFL man of the year type guys. So you're going from, you know, the Chip Kelly dynamic to bringing in guys like Chris Long who are donating an entire year's salary. Malcolm Jenkins, who's meeting with the Philly police and discussing, you know, social injustice, things of that nature, how to improve the community, how to make it better. All that coalesces. Super Bowl run. I remember seeing Jeff Lurie. There was a handful of players after the NFC Championship win over Minnesota. There's a group of players dancing in the locker room to celebrate. LeGarrette Blunt, Ronald Darby, Patrick Robinson, Fletcher Cox. These are all black guys. And in the middle of that group of guys dancing was Jeff Lurie, a little white guy, the owner, who comes in and he steps in with his guys and dances. Now, look, Jeff Lurie's not going to – he's not – cutting it up footloose style man he's an old white dude he can't dance but he's getting out there with his guys and he's 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 in that environment he's trying to be a part of his team and what his guys are doing guys of color in a moment of celebration to watch that video again knowing the climate now I mean, it's it's even at the time, it was touching to me. I remember mentioning this to other people in conversation, like, man, damn, that's cool to see your owner do that. You know? And, okay, I mean, you can say, well, yeah, of course, because they won the NFC Championship. He wouldn't be doing that, you know, this past year after they lost to Miami. No, he wouldn't. But still, it's a fucking effort. It's an effort. Malcolm Jenkins said it best. We all we got, we all we need. That was the the mantra of this locker room. And you think of everybody in this locker room, the Eagles team these last couple years, like we said, Chris Long, Malcolm Jenkins. Neither of them are here anymore. Chris Long's retired. Malcolm Jenkins is a saint. But you still got Lane Johnson, Brandon Graham, guys that can lead this team into the future. Zach Ertz, Carson Wentz, Fletcher Cox. These are guys of all colors. One of the first white quarterbacks to come out and speak on this issue was Carson Wentz, who came out and said, look, I'm from North Dakota, man. I haven't, again, I haven't been to North Dakota personally, but Carson Wentz broke it down for you. He says, I, I've spent a lot of time growing up around people that look like me. But that doesn't mean I'm deaf to these issues. I share a locker room with people of color. I want to help create change. Same with Zach Ertz. Came out in immediately statements. These are leaders of this locker room getting out in front of the issue. Grab it. They didn't wait for other people to send out generic statements. They got out quick. Look, we're here. We get we don't understand what it's like firsthand, but we got you. You look at... Those last couple years, and again, the the situation with after the Eagles won the Super Bowl and and not going to the White House because of 45. I'm not going to say his name no more. You know, because of what he came out to say with guys taking, you know, knees and things of that nature. Again, Malcolm Jenkins is one of the leading 
guys in terms of, you know, this side of Colin Kaepernick, in terms of speaking out for, you know, social injustice against African-Americans. You have all of these characters that come together and win a championship. It was special. They're, they're half button heads in the media with, with 45. It's, it's, it's you have him and Fox News coming after the birds. And yet this, the locker room stood, stood together. If, if, we're not, if a couple people aren't comfortable going to the White House, not a goddamn one of us are going to the White House because we're family. Again, like Malcolm Jenkins said, we all we got, we all we need. That is special. So, again, going back to Drew Brees' comments, and in, in, I think he was on Yahoo Finance, it was, and immediately just cloaking the argument in the flag and still making it about disrespecting the military. Look, man, I, I don't know. I'd like to know, truly at the root of it, where where this military disrespect thing came from because it's it's that's not what any of these guys are protesting. That's not what Colin Kaepernick was doing. That's not what Eric Reed was doing. That's not what Malcolm Jenkins was doing. That's not what any of these guys are doing. It's not about disrespecting the military. You think only white people are in the military? Black people are in the military too. This is not an anti-military thing. It's we're tired of being treated like shit. And we have these platforms and we want to utilize them. Listen to us. And Drew Brees just comes in and and shits on everything when he still tries to cloak it in the flag. And you have people coming out left and right and just destroying him. The city of New Orleans itself was chanting, fuck Drew Brees. Now, this, and again, at the end of the day, do I think Drew Brees is a racist? No, probably not, but you can't be that tone deaf. You can't. This is not about you, Drew, and your white grandfather that served in the military. It's not about that. You know how many military holidays we have in this country? There's plenty of people going around thanking troops. How many people are going around thinking black people? Until now. This is what they're fighting for. Nobody's trying to disrespect Drew Brees' grandfather or whoever it was that was in the military, or served. Nobody's trying to disrespect anybody that's ever served in the military in this country, for Christ's sake. So stop cloaking it in the flag and patriotism. It's not about that. When we look at the flag as white people, we might see one thing. But understand, it, 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 what that flag represents to white people, it does not represent the same thing to black people. And I'm not going to speak on what the flag represents to black people, but again, given what they're fighting for here, and rightly so, it clearly does, it's not when you look at the flag and you get feelings of bald eagles and apple pie and fucking hot dogs on the grill in the summer and freedom and all that, that is not what that flag means to them. Because they haven't had the same experience that you or I have as white people. So understand that before you just throw out, hey, the flag and and. Don't take a knee. It's disrespectful. Come on, man. Take take the temperature of the situation a little bit more, for the love of God. And it was 
to see Malcolm Jenkins and knowing when Drew Brees came out and said that, oh, shit, Malcolm's in that locker room now. You knew he was going to come out quick, and he did, fast. Within hours, put out a statement. He respect saying that he respected him past tense. Ending the video with telling Drew Brees to shut the fuck up. So you have a leader, one of the faces of this movement in the NFL, now telling his quarterback to shut the fuck up. And again, it, it, you gotta understand the locker rooms are sacred, man. You can't. It's it's it's. That is what it is. That's the beauty of sports. People from all different colors, backgrounds coming together to bond and, and, and fight to achieve a common goal. And very rarely do you see in the media, you know, players speaking out because of that sacred nature of what the locker room is and what a team is. You very rarely see guys come out and criticize teammates in the media, but let alone a quarterback. And Drew Brees at that, this guy is, he's on the, the Mount Rushmore of what, what, what perception of a quarterback is, right? And it, it, for him to be the one to make the statement and now being eviscerated by everybody, and rightfully so, and to have Malcolm Jenkins come out and tell him to shut the hell up, shut the fuck up, excuse me. I don't know why I felt the need to clarify the swear there. Very, <laughs> I'm 32 years old. I'm too old for that. But just, just so, just so it's clear, okay. For Malcolm to make that statement towards Drew Brees in a video is powerful, and it's it's very. I couldn't help but, I'm not going to pretend to think for Malcolm Jenkins because he's a very intelligent man, and just just a an incredible human being, on and off the field, great dude. So I'm not going to pretend to think for him, but I – and again, this could just be the Eagles fan in me, but in that moment I'm going, okay, Malcolm Jenkins is coming out, putting this video out in reference to Drew Brees. And Carson already came out and made a statement a few days ago. You know, Richard Sherman came out and acknowledged his statement, things of that nature. And again, all this is a statement, but it, guys are putting these out for a reason – you know, especially the ones who were first to it. Now, at this point, it's like, everybody, that's what you do. Ben and Jerry's statement was awesome. You know, fucking great. That's how you make a statement. But to come out and acknowledge, okay, look, I'm from North Dakota, not around a ton of black people in my life, but I'm here. Malcolm Jenkins went from that to don't kneel and disrespect the flag. We're still there four years later. We're still there with Drew Brees. And I couldn't help but think Malcolm Jenkins, like <laughs> – and again, this is the Eagles fan speaking. Like, does he regret going back to New Orleans in any way? <laughs> like, can we? You can. You can always. You know, come back. Let's let's run it all over again. You know, come back to the locker room that loves you. You know, to the city that loves you. Not saying New Orleans doesn't, but Jesus. So I just I thought <clears throat> Malcolm bookending his career in New Orleans and going back in this climate, given the dynamic of what the quarterbacks. Uh, reactions has been in the media uh, was certainly a dichotomy. And as an Eagles fan, my mind went there for a second. But I'm not sitting here saying, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying who Malcolm Jenkins, what uniform he wears is more important than the movement. I'm not. You know, but 
just seeing kind of observing and remembering and reflecting on where this team was, you know, six, seven years ago versus where it is now and being, you know, a couple years ago, especially arguably the most woke team in the league, you know, with all the guys that are doing work off the field to for, for better causes that realistically big picture as much as you and I as Eagles fans want the birds to come away with a W on Sunday or Monday or Thursday, what's going on in the world big picture really is more important than whether or not the Eagles beat fucking Tampa or whoever or Houston. <laughs> you know, let's be honest. These are guys that are really genuinely making a difference. Chris Long, Malcolm Jenkins, guys like that. And it made me proud to just – put myself in the moment, what's going on, everything now, take an inventory of where we find ourselves as a people in 2020 and looking back, seeing where this franchise was and how damn far it's come. Because the correlation to me is it's, it's valid, in my opinion. It, that Super Bowl does not happen without the about face and the switch that happened in that locker room with the guys and the type of personalities that you bring into a locker room. That is important. Don't just look at a stat sheet. This is why your locker room is always important because that Super Bowl does not happen without the family atmosphere. We all we got, we all we need. The guys that made that team a fucking team in the pure sense of the word. Without that, Super Bowl 52 does not happen. Hit me up on Instagram. Let me know your thoughts. Uh, follow the page at Grease Pole Podcast if you have not already. Uh, you know, questions, comments, things of that nature are always welcome. And uh, barring barring anything else going on in the next week, got a pretty cool show lined up for next week for uh, episode Nick Foles next week, episode nine. We're getting close to double digits. So first little, not really a milestone, but I guess we'll call it that to make me feel better. So uh, appreciate you going along for the ride with us this evening. Hope you enjoyed it. Let me hear your thoughts. You know, hit me up as always at Grease Pole Podcast. Comments, anything like that. Love to hear your thoughts on this uh, on this episode. On these thoughts, see what you think. See if the correlation's valid to you. What your thoughts are as well. Again, the only way we improve as a people is by listening. Point blank. So appreciate you listening to episode eight. This evening, looking forward to seeing you back here next Monday, as always, for episode nine of the Grease Pole Podcast. See you next week. Go Birds. Yo, how'd Barkley put it? <laughs> Looking like another Grease Pole night in Philly. 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 Philly.